the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for, and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service, and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in, and um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 that's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Hi, I'm Eric Galindo Training Director for the FSI Training School For individuals and businesses we offer certification courses in CPR and First Aid through the American Heart Association and also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible, have fun, and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program. Weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Excellent. Jim is in, uh, Jay, I'm sorry, Jacob's in the room here with me. We are ready I'm to get going. Room. Hi, Jacob. Hey. How are you doing? You had a good week? I'm okay. I think I'm okay, but I am open to a second opinion. Am I okay? <laughs> You are okay. In my books, you're always okay, Jake. 
Well, we've got some uh, questions for you folks from the Psalms 86 through 89. Those are the Psalms we read in our Wisdom and Worship segments this past week. And then we read all of our readings came from the book of 2 Chronicles, chapters 19 through 36. Very interesting passages, I know, but Jacob, is it true in the uh, Jewish community as well, like it is among, I think, for us uh, in the Christian community, I think we're kind of weak. We're kind of weak on um, the kings. We... Uh, whether it's from the Samuel, the books of Samuel or the books of, of the kings themselves, the history, or this selected history, this special history that Ezra the, the uh, scribe put together. Uh, it, I like Ezra. I like the Chronicles because it really focuses in on the kings, only on the kings of Judah. So you don't have the confusion of trying to remember uh, which one is the king of Judah or the king of Israel with the two kingdoms divided. So it makes it a little simpler, but still... Um, I, I think we're we're kind of we're weak on following these different kings, and I think it. I I don't know. Some people would say, "Well, it doesn't really make any difference. It's just a bunch of old history and so on." But I think it does. There's some incredible, wonderful lessons that we learn from these kings. Do 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 you find the same thing in the Jewish community, or some people? Well, you know, you have the range of everybody. Some people are interested, some are not. But the important thing is is, if I might quote, isn't there a, at the end of the book of Matthew, isn't there Jesus walking along with a couple of fellas after he resurrected, and he says, hey, you know, Moses and the prophets is all about me. Doesn't he say that? Yes. Remember, he's talking on the road to faith, or the road to Emmaus. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, if, if he men, says he that, so my, that. my thought and my position is, if somebody really loves Jesus, if they're a follower, a believer, then he's telling you, if you want to learn more about him, he's he's telling you, understand what you call the Old Testament and you'll understand him. And I don't think these are a bunch of isolated uh, pruned lines where you come back and say, oh, a guy riding a lowly, lowly riding a donkey. I think there's a whole bunch more to it. And if he's if you really want to know about him, if that's what you believe in, then I would think a person would want to know about what we call the Old Testament. No doubt about it, uh, because that's uh, – it's funny. I was just giving a group of uh, basic trainees today. This was an incredible birthday present today. I got – Suzanne and I alone, we got to teach uh, – we had about 1,500 basic trainees that we got to have in our classes, and Suzanne and I both taught ourselves uh, – Six classes during the morning. We taught uh, about a little over 350 young men and women, Jacob, uh, this morning. And uh, over 50 of them, almost 60 of them, uh, indicated that first-time decision to to begin to trust God and to begin a journey of of faith and walking with God and trusting in Him uh, for salvation, of course, in in, in terms of heaven and eternal destiny, but also Mm -hmm. about walking with God and obeying Him and trusting Him and following Him. And it's just a... Couldn't have a better birthday present. I mean, it was just a thrilling time this morning. Uh, but we talked a little bit about it in, in the classes that I taught, at least. I always like to give them a little bit of a, uh, particularly for young Christian believers, to give them some sense and understanding that, that in fact, our faith is a derivative faith. It comes out of. It's not something totally new. 
Jesus didn't come to planet Earth to start a brand new religion. He came to fulfill the prophecies and to fulfill the, the mandates of, of God's law, the Torah, and to fulfill them on our behalf and then be that Lamb of God, as, as John the Baptist called him, who takes away the sins of the world. So we, we've got to understand that these that Old Testament, as we call it, and I don't mean that in any way. Oh, no, uh, no, no, don't worry, don't worry about Nothing that. talking down at it at all. Uh, it's just older. They're yeah. they're. They're ancient. They go back longer and further than the hey. the, the newer hey, the passages. Old, the old is the authentic. What yeah, but say? but uh, boy, that ours is the New Testament just flows out of the Hebrew Scriptures, out of all of those prophecies, all those predictions, all of the lessons, and of course the laws of God that are there presented. So anyway, we, we're a little weak on these um, on these kings. I think sometimes we don't uh, we don't give the attention. And we don't learn the, the incredible, wonderful lessons that are there for us. But we've got a lot of questions for well, you, actually, folks, Actually, the anyway. first question tonight, I think, is going to illustrate what you just said perfectly. Okay. Well, let me ask a couple of questions from the Psalms. And then, as always, i like to let you pull some questions out of our uh, our narrative passages out of Chronicles. And maybe you can get, us, get the conversations rolling here. Uh, from the Psalms, though, we read Psalms 86 through 89, folks. You can give us a call if you'd like. Any of these questions that you hear that you'd like to answer, you can give us a call at 340-9585, 340-9585, and uh, you can call us, answer the questions correctly, win some great prizes, and uh, we'll have some time to visit on the phone as well about the passage and about uh, you know kind of what we can learn from some of these wonderful uh, Bible passages. Now let's look at this. Um, Oh, my goodness. Uh, in Psalm 87. Huh. In Psalm 87, the citizens of Jerusalem symbolize the worldwide community of what people? In Psalm 87, the citizens of the city of Jerusalem in that psalm, they are representative or symbolic of the worldwide community of what people? And you can also make a reference to this to uh, Revelation chapter 21. Revelation, the book of Revelation, way over at the last book of the New Testament. And you can make a reference to that passage, Revelation 21, 27. So if you can answer that question, give us a call, 340-9585. Let me back up to Psalm 86. I wasn't going to answer this one. It's a, a little... I don't know, you kind of almost have to have the passage open in front of you, which is perfectly fine because that's why we give you the the passage. You can open the passage, and it's an open book quiz. This says from Psalm 86, on what basis does the writer of Psalm 86 declare that there is no true God but God, uh, the, the, the true and living God of Scripture, the true and living God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? On what basis? In other words, the writer says that's true. There's no true God but God. But he says the reason he says that is because of what? Look in Psalm 86, verses 8 through 10. That's, uh, I don't know. Uh, Jacob, you might have a comment for us on that passage as well. But there you have it. That's my question, and you see the answer there, right, on that passage? I do. Do, I you, do. do you agree with that question and answer? Sophie, I would never disagree uh, with you. Okay, okay. Although, 
sometimes I welcome your disagreement because well, sometimes I, I didn't think say I'm, I wouldn't uh, advise, instill correction, that kind of thing. You know. Yeah, I learn a lot from you, Jacob. So I'm always open to. Well, hearing I'm from joking. You. So he, I know that. Let's go to Second Chronicles then. Second Chronicles chapters uh, 19 through 36. Which of all of these kings and all of these experiences do you think would be important for us to? Well, let's take a tonight? look at your actually your number one. Okay. Well, would you like to read it? King Jehoshaphat, actually one of my favorite kings, very interesting guy, uh, Jehoshaphat. He appointed judges and told them that they should not seek to please the people, but to please whom? Well, that may not be that too hard to question. That would be in 19.6, right? Yeah, Second Chronicles 19, verse 6. Uh-huh. Now, that's going to become very important, and I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to tie it in, I hope. Uh, at least I hope to, uh-huh. with what you were saying at the beginning of the show. Okay. Okay, now number two, uh, your second question, uh, I would like to, if you don't mind, do your number seven, which states, which prophet told Jehoram that he would die of a severe intestinal disease? And <laughs> you find the answer Second Chronicles. Twenty-one, twelve, and that Jehoram was a piece of work, wasn't he? Uh, well, yes, but there is something much more important about this fellow that tells him. Really? Is oh, that right? Oh, okay. it's very important. In fact, when I show it to you, you're going to say, "Son of a gun." Okay. Well, let me let me. I'll ask your question. And let me ask the one right before it too, if you don't mind. Which uh, when Jehoram, this young man Jehoram, became king, he immediately killed, murdered six members of his own family. And my question to you folks from Second Chronicles chapter 21, verses 2 through 4, uh, who are these six members of his family that he murdered? What six members of his family did Jehoram murder? And then which prophet, as Jacob just said, which prophet told Jehoram that he would die of a severe intestinal disease? That's found in chapter 21, Verse 12. Let's ask both of those questions. All righty. Um, and I know you'd like to do number, your number eight because you were talking about that earlier. Yeah, that's, this woman fascinates me. All right, well, go ahead. You remember Jehu, folks? You remember Jehu? We get the idea that the, the Yehu, we think of these Yehus as kind of a wild bunch of guys. I think it comes from this guy named Jehu or Yehu uh, who was in the lineage of King David and, and Elijah uh, ordered that he be uh, told that he would be the next king of, Israel, of, of Judah, I believe. He kind of went crazy, and he killed Ahaziah, son of Jehoram. And so Athaliah, is this the right question? Yeah, yeah. that's the lady you were talking So Athaliah, about. who was the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel, she killed Ahaziah's children her own grandchildren, in fact, so that she could become queen of Judah, the only queen that Judah, I guess, ever had historically. So, that, But one of the sons of Ahaziah survived, kind of a miraculously. One of the babies uh, died after she tried to kill her own grandchildren, all of them. Which one son of Ahaziah survived that slaughter? Which, And he later became a king of Judah. Which one son of Jehoram survived that slaughter? Okay, that's mm-hmm. and you find the answer in, in the First Chronicles, Second uh, Chronicles, chapter twenty-two, verses ten through twelve. Okay, 
Uh, let's do year number 20. All right. Uh, when uh, Hezekiah led in, led in the effort to celebrate Passover nationally, what, why did the celebration have to take place a month later than usual? Ah. Is that anything special in, when you think of a Jewish history or something? Yes. Do, you, do you all remember that? Is it something well, remember to commemorate? As a matter of fact, uh, you put me in a rather awkward spot because actually you should remember that. I did what? I uh, it puts me in an awkward spot because actually you should remember that. Oh, really? Yes, it's it's uh, something very. It should be near and dear to your heart. Ah, well then I'll I'll learn something here. That's good. When Hezekiah led in the effort to celebrate Passover, they had left off the Passover the the. Uh, the observance of Passover, uh-huh. uh, they'd gotten out. They were drifting away from God, and some well, of these kings were not. Well, let's not add that little thing. That may not be a hundred percent correct. Okay, okay, then you'll correct me on that as well. well. I don't know about correct, but, but they I'll, had I'll moved share. away from I'll this. Sh- I'll share. Okay, they had moved away from that observance, right? Well, there's a reason, and so we're Hezekiah- going to learn uh, why there's a reason. Okay, so Hezekiah led in the effort to celebrate Passover again nationally. Right. But the celebration had to take place a month later than usual yes. because of a certain reason. You'll find it in Second Chronicles chapter 30, verse 3. So that's one, two, three, four, uh-huh. five, six, seven uh-huh. questions. You want to put out one more or not? Uh, it's up to you. You, you, you got you, another one? Oh, I got others, but what do you want to do? Let's do one more, yeah. Okay, one more. Let's see here. Since these are a little hard, maybe uh, if we give enough of them, Somebody will find one that they really like and will be able to answer. Uh, okay. Okay. How about number thirty? Okay. Actually, I was going to say thirty-one because that is a key verse about was the Bible lost and was it found? Well, let's do thirty first because it brings up the person, and then we'll do thirty-one once somebody remembers the person. Okay. Okay. Number thirty says, "My father," and I like this. Listen to this, folks. My father, Amon or Amon, was so wicked. As king of Judah, that his own palace officials assassinated him. So this guy's father was a wicked, wicked man, and his own palace officials assassinated him. Mm-hmm. And at the age of eight, it says, I was placed on the throne of Judah. Uh-huh. Who am I? And that's found in Second Chronicles chapter 34, verse 1. Okay, you've got it. And then we'll talk a little bit more about this guy once we get his name out yes, there. Yes, right? we will. Who yeah. was this child king of Judah? All right, you can give us a call, 340-9585. What do you know about the Old Testament? What do you know about this this selected history from the book of Chronicles that we have from uh, the scribe Ezra? What do you know about these kings? What lessons can we learn from them? So any of these questions you can answer? Give us a call, 340-9585. We might as well jump right to it. We've got one caller on the line. His name is Harold, and I bet Harold is going to answer at least one or two or three of these questions for us. Hi, Harold. How you doing tonight? Doing well. Thank you very oh, sorry much. Sorry about that. Glad to hear from you tonight. What what question did you hear that you think, I, I, can, I know that one? Um, I heard something in, uh, yeah, can you hear me? Yes, we hear you just Okay. Fine. You're a little bit low tonight, but I'm I'm used to. I'm a little bit low myself, actually. Okay. Uh, I heard something in '86 um, Psalms, right? Psalm '86. The question was: On what basis does the writer declare? Right there in the Psalm, he explains 
that there is no true God but God, and he bases that that affirmation, and, that statement on yeah. uh, on what basis does he say that there is no true yeah. God but God alone. I, you're super low tonight for some reason. Usually well, I can hear you. It's showing up pretty high here on my really? screen. But, Let me uh, tap my phone a little. I'll, I'll shout a little louder if I need That's to. That's okay. I'm sorry. You know, uh, oh, I think I got confused with that um, that Psalms 68. I was real familiar with that psalm. Uh-huh. And then you said 86 because I remember seeing that Psalm 68 in the Da Vinci Code movie. Uh, is that right? Oh, yeah. I think I saw that reference as well. I was watching that the first time I'd ever seen it before. I was watching a little bit of it the other night, and... There's more. There's more scripture being quoted in that movie than I had thought. So I was. Yeah. It, it well, got, I saw it got when the first. You know, when when the movie first came out, and actually, I was kind of in a low point in my life, and I kind of read that maybe for about two weeks before I went to work every day. Huh. Yeah. That, you know, Psalm so be, 68, huh? Yeah. Well, this Psalm 86 uh, is one. Uh, is it? It tells in some. I'm looking at the verses. I'm turning back 10, over there. It says. No, there is no no pagan god is like you, O Lord. None can do what you do. Uh, all the nations you made will come and bow before you, Lord. They will praise your holy name. And then it says, uh, verse ten actually tells the reason then that he uh, proclaims that God is God alone. There, he did one, the true and living God, and it's found in in Psalm eighty six, verse ten. And th- that's the basis for him saying that you are God alone. Alone. So, so if you can uh, look it up there, or if someone else wants to give us a call with that answer, that would be fine. Yeah. Since you I, have um, a little, little uh, what do you call radio dyslexia, you got 68 co- confused with 86. I got a lot of, well, no, I've been thinking, you know what, you know what happened? Uh, sometimes I think I'm getting my prayers answered without even asking. And, you know, that's <laughs> no really. And, well, the Lord and, says sometimes before you, the prayer, he's even left your lips or that, that he answers even before uh, we sometimes have voiced the prayer. But uh, maybe Well, I think the reason on. that is is because the problems are always existing, and God knows about it, and uh, I kind of think that's the way it works. And sometimes I wonder how I can still be here. And well, um, We're glad you are, pal. There you go. <laughs> Now, who's that? Is that, that Jacob? That was, that was the soap, sir. I just said, we're glad you are still there. Yeah. Glad to have you around. Yeah. Well, I was listening to the show last week, of course, and I called in, and at the very last minute, y'all had mentioned something about two worlds, and I looked it up, and it says, for Solomon, the temple became only an outward form, not the expression of his inward life. Wow. Um, That's interesting that you say. I'm so problem, glad yeah. you called about that, because... We kind of did have to end suddenly last week, and Jacob had this wonderful thought in his heart that he wanted to share, but it, we didn't have the time for it to come out, and maybe he could jump on it now. And remember, you were going to talk about the fact that the the temple was. Uh, Where was that found at? I think it was in Chronicles, wasn't it? Yeah, it's in Chronicles, and uh, it was something about the temple having being spiritual in essence, or okay. something. Well, actually, no, no, no. It's it's Chronicles five nine. That that these poles were so long that they wouldn't fit inside. Right, and yeah. so and uh, we can't get too deep in the mathematics of it, but I will tell you what we're talking about. Uh, the poles sticking outside of the holy of holy curtain are visible. I see. Aha, uh-huh. but inside, they may not have been visible. 
Now I'm going to, I know it's going to be a little hard and probably a lot of folks have never heard this before, but in chapter 3 of Second Chronicles, you are given measurements of the Ark of the Covenant and the angels and the size of their wings. Did you say chapter 3? I did, of Second okay. Chronicles. All right. Chapter 3, okay, I'm turning over. All right, now, and it has to do with what you're referring to about the poles and 5-9. Now, if you look, you'll see some figures and sizes and dimensions are given. Now, what's interesting about those, if, now, and I will just tell you, in ancient Hebrew literature, it is discussed. And what's fascinating is that dimensions are larger than the Holy of Holies. And so, logically, physically, Mathematically, it should not fit. You're talking about the dimensions of the Ark of the Covenant with its poles. Is that what you mean? Uh, the poles stick out outside of the okay. curtain is a different matter. But okay. the Ark of the Covenant with the angels inside the Holy of Holies, that's larger than what the actual footage is of the Holy of Holies itself. So what are now, you saying? What am I saying? I'm saying that the ark and the angels was too big to fit into the Holy of Holies, but yet it does. Well, that's what I mean. I understood that. But okay. so that space in between, yet uh, it does. What is that well, parallel well, place? They discuss this actually in ancient Hebrew literature. And, and you have all varying opinions, of course. But what's Because of the Jews, right? Yeah, that's right. But it's here's the interesting thing, that it existed it fit, it should not fit in the physical world, but it fit. With meaning, as they took it, that the Ark of the Covenant inside the Holy of Holies existed in two different worlds at the same time, both physical and spiritual or heavenly. I see. And now, you've so mentioned that to me before. And uh, I still have to work it through in my mind and see that it's actually... Very thing. See, Are you saying I, the dimensions of the actual yeah, gold yeah, box Yeah, let itself? me say this. In our language, in English, I could say to you, well, something exists in two dimensions at one time. And we get that. Well, the way they had to express that was by saying, this is too big to fit, but it fits. <laughs> all right. I'd like to share... Hello, we got to take after a quick the commercial. Break, that's all right. Stay with us, and we'll hear your question and your comment when we get back. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Thank Don't you. Don't go away, folks. The Bible Live Quiz Show I'll right here. here, three four zero ninety five eighty five. Doctor Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop four ten and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family. That's Suzanne and me, plus our three children, for the past twenty five years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to the laptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. 
Well, Elizabeth and I went to Express Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to work and we had got our oil done before, it could take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't expect to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. With Soapy Dollar. Hi, Charlie. We are back. I know Charlie. We are back. We know Charlie's waiting on the line, hey. Harold. Yeah, Charlie. So we said, we I want Harold you. With, uh, Charlie, make sure you hang out. I know who you are. Harold, and do we'll not, get to you in just Charlie, a second. do not go away. Uh, Harold, you had another comment you wanted to make I before we. Moved over to talk with Charlie. Interested in uh, it's just a little true story, real quick about um, about two minutes. Uh, you know, I have a real good boy. He goes to St. Mary's University, and the other day he got out of bed about six o'clock, and he says, "I'm going to Walmart." And this is a story that 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 shows that everything that God that it's in God's time, and you may not have the answer when you think you're getting it, uh-huh. and so. He left, and I said, I think we might need some milk or bread. And he said, uh, okay. He comes back, and he comes back with his bottle of wine. Uh-huh. So I'm, I, you know, I do have my face in the Bible. I'm looking at it, and I'm, I didn't say anything to him. And he pours himself a drink, and he pours his mother a drink. And I said, oh, Lord, I'm not against drinking. I'm not against, but I'm just thinking, what's happening here? Uh-huh. So I go to the bedroom. His face is all shiny. The next day, he's holding a bottle up in the air. After I get home from work, he goes, Dad, I'm on my third bottle. He goes, Dad, calm down. I'm just kidding. I accidentally bought a bottle of non-alcoholic wine. And I said, well, I guess this time he took the wine out of the water. (laughs) Oh, okay. So, uh, you know. Changed the wine to water, right? You see, and that is a real, that was a damn good feeling for me, I'm going to say. Oh, really? Yeah. I I didn't complain. I didn't over-exaggerate. And I do leave the things in in the Lord's hand, yeah. you know. But my mother does say, I love that. "Pray and grab a hole." You know. Sometimes, as God's people, we do have to learn. Okay, to just Harold, listen. Wait on the Lord. Since you told that story, I got to tell you, uh, soaping everybody, a real quick story. My grandson asked me a jo- uh, joke, a little thing yesterday. He called me. He said, "What do you call a fake noodle?" <laughs> a fake noodle would be a false. Mm, I have no false. idea, to be honest with you. What? An impasta. 
<laughs> An imposter, huh? Oh, that's oh, good. That that's boy. good. Harold, thanks for calling yes. in. Let me jump over and talk to Charlie really okay. quick. Okay. Hey, thank you, Harold. Let's get Charlie on the line with us. Charlie, good to hear from you tonight. What's going on? Oh, not a whole lot. Not uh, a whole lot. Just... Is this is this Charlie, the omelet maker? You got him. You got him. I got to tell you, Soapy, and everybody else, this guy makes the best omelets, and I always have them kosher because I only have them with uh, vegetables. Uh-huh. And this guy is about the best omelet maker I've ever seen. Oh, is it, are are mushrooms kosher? Of course. Oh, wonderful. oh yeah, oh yeah, the mushrooms and bell peppers and onions. All right, Charlie. Good to hear from you tonight. Uh, is it, did you call for a particular reason? One of the questions that you heard that you could answer, or just call and say hi to your good friend Jacob or whatever. Just call to say hi to your good friend Jacob tonight. You're awfully nice to give us a call. Is there we anything you'd it. like to discuss? And then, and then I suspect you'll be a winner, and we can send you presents. Uh, not much. I just called to touch races and let you know I was thinking about you and had y'all, y'all, you guys on my mind. All right, he's going to bring me over one of these times, and we're going to test out those omelets, okay? All right, okay, Sophie. Sure uh, All right, Charlie. Wait, wait, before Sophie go, before he goes. Hey, Charlie. Uh huh. Okay, listen. I'm going to ask you a question. If you answer the question, you hang on and give your name and number to the producer, and he'll mail you some presents. Are you ready for the question? I'm ready for it. All right. The book that contains all the stories from Genesis and to Revelation. What is the name of that book? It starts with a B. Book one. <laughs> it, it actually, it the word itself means book. The yeah. book. Okay. It covers all the stories from the creation of the world to the end of the world. Yeah, and it, and it's what everybody carries with them to church. And one of them is called the. It's divided into two parts. One of them is called the old, and the other is called the new. The old and the new. Okay. What is the What is the name of this book we're talking about? Starts with a B. The old. Uh huh. Uh, it's it, called it's, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and the two of those together make up the. Bible. <laughs> you got it. Exactly All right. right. All right. Now, the Bible. Yeah. Hey, uh, Charlie, hang on. Give your name and every information to the producer, and we'll send you some gifts. You're getting pretty good at that, Jacob. You're making good winners is almost as well as I do. Do All hang right. on. Do hang, hang, hang on, on, Charlie. Charlie. Okay. Get, give that information to John, and he'll take it down, and we'll send uh, Charlie. <laughs> Uh, Jacob, you're getting just about as good to making winners out of our callers as, as I am. That was good. Well, yeah, and he makes great omelets, by the, the way. Oh, well, let's test it out sometime. you oh. got to invite me. Do you know the word Bible? Of course, Biblia in, in Latin or Spanish and so on. A lot of people are surprised to know that the, the root of the word Bible is just, just that. It's book. Um, uh, if you go, uh, for example, in Spanish, La Biblioteca. Would be the, the the library, the book place, you know. So uh, uh, the when we talk about the the Holy Bible, we talk about the Bible. We just talk about the book, <laughs> the book, the great book of books, uh, the Bible. That's the theme of our program here on the Bible Live Radio program, Monday through Friday. We read through the entire Bible every year. Uh, right now, we've just finished up the books of First and Second Chronicles. On Monday evening, tomorrow evening, we'll read the entire book of Ezra. Uh, and then after reading the book of Ezra, uh, we will, I think that's true, or do we go right on no, back? No, we go into Ezra. 
Okay, and then we go to the book of Romans, I believe. This is true. And following that. Yeah. So then uh, we'll move from Ezra uh, Monday night. And on Tuesday, we'll go to the New Testament book of Romans. And you don't want to miss that. A great, great, very interesting um, book of Romans. And, and I'll tell you why it's so very interesting. It uh, It's the most complete presentation of the completed after the coming of Messiah it's the most complete presentation of the gospel message uh, in light of the Hebrew scriptures and the, the whole the Old Testament and so on. It's the most complete presentation, I think, that Paul gives uh, there in the New Testament. So it's uh, it's a very, very interesting And he had book. a very tough audience, the Romans. Yes, yeah, it was a tough audience. And uh, not only the Romans, but of course even uh, the, uh, you know, the, speaking to the Jewish people about, you know, Paul had to make this transition after he had come to faith in Christ, he had to rethink all of his theology, and he had to rethink because before he was here, he is persecuting the Christians and seeking to put them in jail, and then he has this encounter with, with the the resurrected Messiah, and he and he he has to rethink all of that theology. He's a very intelligent guy, studied under Gamaliel, and he has to rethink it and come to a Oh, these lots of aha moments have to take place, I'm sure. And then he lays it out for us how the two, how the New Testament flows right out of the Old Testament passages and Old Testament scriptures. That it's not a standalone thing. That it that it, that is simply the the outworking of the messianic promises and the you know, the Old Testament promises and prophecies, uh, and uh, the continuation of the one redemptive plan. That God had always had in place. So it's a to me, it's a fascinating book, the Book of Romans. I hope you'll join us this coming week as we read through uh, Ezra and then the Book of Romans uh, the rest of the week as uh, as we continue and in, go into the New Testament. But tonight we are asking you questions from the Book of Second Chronicles, chapters nineteen through thirty six. And so we already have a bunch of questions out there for you. If you'd like to answer any of these, give us a call three four zero. 9585. One of my favorite personalities of the Old Testament is uh, a kid, really, just a child. My father, Amon, was so wicked as king of Judah that his own palace officials assassinated him. And at the age of eight, the reason, one reason I like this guy is because uh, I, I came to faith myself. I came to faith uh, in the Lord and began to walk with the Lord when I was eight years old. So I've always thought it was so fascinating that this kid, this child, comes is placed on the throne of Judah there in Jerusalem. And I want you to tell me what was his name. It's taken from Second Chronicles chapter 34. He is a grandson of uh, the great-grandson of one of the great kings of Israel who led a great time of revival. And then his grandfather and his father were both very wicked. And then he just turns around and he becomes one of the godliest uh, sons of, of uh, one of the godliest kings of Judah. I've always found that fascinating, Jacob, how one king could be just terrible or a couple of terrible, godless and, and disobedient kings. And all of a sudden someone comes along who is very obedient and, and is used of God in a great way. And sometimes you'll have a very great godly king and and then you'll he'll be followed up by uh, his son or his grandson that don't follow the lord at all and i 
sometimes I just don't get it. I is is that just the way of sons and fathers? This well, they say um, God has no grandchildren, so <laughs> well, uh, each one makes their own decision, I guess. Well, and of course, they they may or may not. Sometimes people seize the throne in Jerusalem. Like uh, this lady you were talking about, this queen, she's not uh, she's not in the lineage. She had no business, just like Herod had no business of being a king. Uh-huh. And, of course, she would not be buried with the kings, and we can learn that from reading about her burial, nor Herod is buried with the kings because they're not line of David. They're not even Jews. I had noticed that, and I didn't know that, I didn't know that significance, but the righteous kings and godly kings have mentioned usually that they are buried in Jerusalem with their fathers. Right. Among the kings, but other kings that were unfaithful, uh-huh. disobedient. Well, no. often it says they they well, weren't. Buried. Okay, and sometimes, uh-huh. sometimes there'll be a biological descendant. Now this is uh, this is just from an old Hebrew understanding, right? So there they might be a biological descendant from David, but they will not be a son of God. True. And because, and why is that? Because, as it says, in fact, it's one of the questions you have in here tonight, but it says... Um, Which one? Well, I was looking for it, actually. <laughs> um, right. I, I didn't mark it as one of the questions, but uh, it has to do with um, if you're a biological descendant and you keep the Torah laws, then you're also a son of God. So you're not only a king mm-hmm. of Judah or of Israel, right. but you're a son of God. Yeah. And when we count, you have to count the ones that are both, the biological and the the ones that follow the Torah. I the see. others would not be counted. I see. That's why my count was off when I said one time I made an effort to count how many kings during the time, uh, from the time of the separate, after the death of Solomon, when Rehoboam um Solomon's son was so hard-headed, and he he stuck to his guns, and he kept high taxation on the people and so on, and he practically drove the ten northern tribes away. And so the the kingdom divided the ten tribes of the north called Israel and the two tribes in the south, Benjamin and Judah, basically, called Judah. And uh, from the time of the the, the division, uh, they went to... um, until 722 BC, or uh, yeah, when when Samaria was destroyed and the northern tribes were were destroyed, uh, there I counted one time there were 22 kings mentioned for the north, and in the same period of time, but longer until 586, there were also 22 kings of of uh, Judah. But what you're saying is that I counted every king mentioned, but only the godly kings, only those who obeyed the law. Uh, the laws of God; those are the ones that are that are that are actually counted as legitimate kings. Is that the idea? Okay. Or? Remember the promise. Uh, it's actually, and I was looking for it while you were back talking. in Deuteronomy. Well, it's actually in the, in Samuel, uh-huh. and it's clearly said. David. It's said to David. David says to Solomon, and that was actually. I'm sorry. It was in last week's uh, portion that we were doing. And it says, if your sons obey my commandments, they will be my son too. I see, yeah, so I remember. they have to be a biological descendant and obey, because if you get a biological descendant, as we do get here in the story, that do not obey the Torah laws, 
then they are certainly a biological descendant of David, but they are not considered, quote-unquote, a son of God. All right. You know, while we're waiting here, Jacob, for folks to give us a call, 340-9585, if you'd like to answer any of those questions we have out on the airwaves, I'd like for us to talk a little bit about this. Actually, I don't know how long it lasted, the, 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 the... I'm, and I'm, what I'm talking about is the influence of uh, this kind of godless, very weak king of Israel called Ahab. He married a princess, the, uh, the child of the king or, and, and the high priest of Baal up in Phoenicia, uh, the, the twin cities of Tyre and Sid, Sidon. Uh, he married uh, Jezebel, who was a princess of, uh, and a priestess in the worship of uh, this, the false god Baal. And so Ahab there is so highly compromised, and he's weak, a weak person on top of all that. So she really comes on like, like gangbusters. And, and together, Ahab and Jezebel, they, boy, they, they're so destructive and so harmful to the people of Israel. Uh, and they lead, ultimately leads to the, to the downfall of the ten northern tribes. But they also had a great influence uh, somehow on the kings of Judah. And I've always thought that probably it was because there was a strong impulse uh, among the kings of Judah in the south there to, to try to do something that would bring the, that would reunite the tribes of Israel. And so sometimes I think they compromised, uh, they made spiritual and moral compromises to Ahab and Jezebel with the hope that somehow they were going to try to kind of bring the country back together. And Ahab and Jezebel took advantage of that to to exert a real strong influence. And it turned out to be a very harmful, sinful, uh, pagan, kind of godless influence on the on Judah in the south. But uh, I guess what I'm didn't and now I think it's one of Hezekiah's sons. Hezekiah is a great king in the, uh, Judah in the south. He leads a great revival, actually, a time of spiritual awakening revival in Judah in the south. But if I remember correctly, one of his sons marries Athaliah, the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. And I'm, I'm wondering if maybe Hezekiah didn't do that, didn't allow that marriage, with the idea of somehow facilitating or encouraging the reuniting of the tribes. But, but as it turns out, they uh, exert a stronger influence on Jehoram, and he ends up compromising. And uh, if I remember correctly, then Jehu comes about and kills a bunch of people. Then, and then Athaliah responds by killing all of the children that would have been in the lineage of David in the south. And that's how this wicked daughter of Ahab and Jezebel becomes the queen, actually, of Judah. Yeah, that is that brings the story really it, together. It's so convoluted, but you have to really well, kind of have a scorecard to follow you, you, the people. You've seen people. much more complex things in movies. Okay. And yeah. so what you've got is, I mean, it's Jezebel and this king. They have a child. She becomes a bad queen. She gets married to somebody else. So we just trace it right down. It's, it's very simple. Actually, getting a driver's license is harder than following this. <laughs> it took me a long time to figure it out, but I'm glad I did. And I'm, I'm kind of wanting to make sure our listeners, if you follow this story, it is an amazing look at the dynamic of, of, it's the, dynamic of the gospel, the dynamic of the truth of God, because uh, sometimes the least likely person can turn out to be the one that, 
trusts God and obeys God and wants God and desires God. I, you know, here I am, I'm a little illegitimate, the, the baby, the child of an illegitimate uh, birth for a little Apache Indian girl back in, gets pregnant on the reservation and she goes into the city and she has a baby. She abandons the baby at birth. And then along comes this Princess Babe Hawk, this woman who is 50 years old. She's already married three times, separated from her third husband. And she finds this baby and rescues me and saves my life. She's a fortune teller with the crystal ball and the tarot cards and the uh, the tarot cards and the you know the palm reading and that sort of thing. And you would think out of that, how could any good possibly come of that? She passes me around to 16 families before I'm six, and it puts me into a home for homeless and delinquent boys. And somehow in the midst of all of that, though, God finds me. And at the age of eight, I have an interest in knowing God. I hear the message of the gospel, the God of the Bible, and I respond to that message. And God changes the entire direction and uh, of my life. My, uh, my life here on earth has just totally changed. My destiny has changed. And now we have our own three children who love the Lord and follow the Lord. And it's just what I'm saying is that you'd never have thought, you know. And that's what you see in the Bible as well. Some of these times you think, oh, that would that person couldn't possibly turn out to be good. But it's just, I don't know, it's just amazing to me how the, the mix, uh, Ahab and Jezebel, then there's this wicked queen, Athaliah. And it turns out to be Athaliah's own daughter, who is married to Jehoiada, the, the high priest of uh, in Judah in the south. She's the one that actually saves Joash's life from this slaughter, and 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 restores the throne back to the lineage of David, the King David. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just, I don't know. It's just to me. Uh, of course, it's you could put it down as coincidence or something like that. But of course. We understand that God is sovereign and that God is working and pulling and, and he moves in ways that are amazing to us to carry out his promises and keep His those prophecies of, of his prophets and to carry out the redemptive plan of God. But it just, it always astounds me to see these things. Uh, any, uh, well, I would just say the Jews have a, a thought that as long as there's life, there's hope. And for the Jewish point of view, it says you shall keep these, you shall live by my commandments. They understand that to mean that you must be alive to do the commandments. If you're not alive, you can't do the commandments. That's true, yeah. <laughs> so this is why the most important thing is to keep alive and keep your children alive. Not just for life, but to do God's commandments. Yeah, for the purpose of obeying God and obeying his command. Let's go to our line again. Austin, you are calling in to uh, uh, maybe make some sense out of our, my little diatribe there. I've, I've kind of, I'm grabbing hold of something here, Austin, in the book of Chronicles. I knew you were from an Indian background, but uh, you said you're from the a diatribe. Diet, diatribe? Yeah, yeah, there you go. But uh, did it make sense to you, Austin, as you're listening there, the, this whole idea that sometimes it's the weirdest and the most unexpected people who come to faith and they turn out to be great heroes of the faith and you never would have expected. Good to hear from yeah, you, by I, the way. Thanks for calling. Be... Oh, sure. Um, I, I think maybe it's a good evidence for uh, free will, I guess. Certainly that, without a doubt, because, uh, you, you know, just because mom and dad didn't love the Lord and, and uh, didn't walk with the Lord, doesn't mean you can't. You know, no, no one. Everyone is, has that choice they make for themselves. Or on the other hand, just because they followed the Lord and obeyed the Lord, 
doesn't mean that you automatically are on the end as well. Every, uh, like I said earlier, someone has said before, God has no grandchildren. We we all make that decision for ourselves. But uh, I find it. So, I guess it's what makes history so interesting, right? At least in one sense. Sure. Good to hear from you. Did you have something on mind yourself or a question you wanted to answer or well, comment you wanted to make? I thought I'd answer the uh, question about the eight-year-old king and the Psalm 87 question. Maybe. Who is that eight-year-old king? One of my favorite personalities. He's Josiah. Josiah, and, uh, exactly I right. like him, too, because he's like the only king in there that it doesn't seem to say anything bad about. Ah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of it in those terms, but you, I think you're basically right. I felt like his going out to fight, he went out to fight King Necho. Necho was on his way up from Egypt. He was up to the famous Battle of Carchemish where Nebuchadnezzar won that great battle and became the uh, ruler supreme of the world of that time. And really, uh, Josiah didn't have to do that, but he was actually uh, in alliance with Nebuchadnezzar, and he went out to fight uh, Necho and was killed uh and uh, partially, I guess because Josiah did that, one of the reasons Nebuchadnezzar was not so very hard on the people of Judah. I don't know, Jacob, if that's if you guys agree, your history oh, yeah. agrees with yeah, that or not. Yeah, there's no issue with that. But yeah. Nebuchadnezzar was a little soft and seemed to have a little partiality toward uh, the little Judah and the kingdom of Israel there. But I've always thought it was so unfortunate that, that Josiah had to go out and pick that fight uh, because it really wasn't, he didn't have a dog in that fight, as they say. He didn't have to, but he was. That was the way he met his maker. That's the way he, his reign ended. But you're right. The Bible doesn't have to doesn't have much in a negative way to say about him. Well, what about this question yeah. from Psalm 87 th- that you wanted to answer? Is that um, is that the one about the citizens well, of Israel? The, uh, yeah, the citizens of Israel in Psalm 87 are representative of or symbolic of the worldwide community of what belie- what people? Uh, saved people. The people of faith, yeah. The people, all of those who follow after the true and living God. And you see that in Revelation 21, 27. It mentions that, that uh, Israel becomes the center of, of the people of God. From from all tribes, every tongues, all languages, all people groups around the world. Very good. You've hey, answered uh, both Sophie? questions. Uh, I know Austin's called in before, and I know he's a great student of the Bible. Austin, can we use you for a, one another question? Uh, you can, but I don't know too many of them. <laughs> okay, well, they're a little hard tonight. I, yeah. I agree, they were a little That's difficult. Okay. Uh, do you know that one about uh, the Passover month? What's interesting? The the what? Oh, the Passover. Okay, good. Yeah, that's a good. All one. right, let's go to that. And that would be. Uh, let's see. Um, where am I? Okay, when uh, Hezekiah led an effort to celebrate Passover nationally, why did the celebration have to take place a month later than usual? Uh, because the priests at the proper time had not consecrated themselves in sufficient numbers, it says in verse 3. <laughs> That's right, but let's not... <laughs> let's wait, wait, there's something much... More going on. Jacob's going to make an excuse for him, as always. Oh, it's not an excuse. <laughs> if it's an excuse, it's an excuse for God. All right. Well, we got to go. Uh, do you want to listen to the answer on the radio, or you want to stay with us through the break? I'd like to stay with you. Okay. I have an idea I'd like to share with you. Good. Hang on, Austin. We'll be back in just a moment, and don't go away now. 
folks, we're going to take a quick break. This is the Bible Live Quiz Show. Give us a call, 340-9585. Do not go away. Sing your praise to the Lord. Come on, everybody, stand up and sing one more. Hallelujah, sing your praise to the Lord. I could never tell you just how much good that it's going to do you just to sing. This is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. To sing when he first gave his life to you. Goes on and so must the song you gotta sing again. The Bible Live Quiz Show here on Sunday evening. We read through the Bible Monday through Friday. Every year we make our way through the entire Bible. We just finished this last week reading uh, the, the finishing the book of Second Chronicles uh, there in the Old Testament, and uh, our questions tonight are coming. From those chapters 19 through 36 of the book of Second Chronicles, and of course from the Psalms that we read this week as well, Psalm 86 through 89. This coming week, I will be reading the book of Ezra on Monday evening, and then we'll go to the New Testament and read the God, the book of Romans, Paul's epistle to the believers in Rome, and we'll read that starting on Tuesday night. I know that you would love, yeah, you don't want to miss that. It's one of the great, great books. I think one of the most instructive, helpful books of the new testament so uh join with us for the bible live monday through friday and here on sunday night then we ask you some questions from those readings the week before give you a chance to call in and answer questions and win some prizes and of course get into some discussion at times about the scriptures and their meaning and uh, some of the things that what they mean to us is we're, we're not trying to be a cerebral or an academic program we'd love to be more of a devotional prayer, what God's Word means to me, how it touches my life, how it enriches my life and my walk with God. So uh, you can give us a call, 340-9585. Before we went to the break, um, Austin. Austin had called in, and he had uh, answered a question or two for us from our list of questions. And uh, then what was brought up, Jacob? We were talking about this. Um, he wanted to talk about Hezekiah, and he said he also had a comment. All right, good deal. Uh, Austin, is that good enough for an intro for you? Yeah. Good deal. What What was on your mind? Oh, I was wondering if you'd ever thought of uh, making your show available as a daily podcast. I couldn't see much of a downside. It seems like it would expand your audience, and uh, if I missed it on the weeknights, I'd be able to listen to it anyway. You'd be able to listen to it anyway. You know what, Austin? You are so smart and so right. I'm 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 one of these 66 year old grandpa old school guys. I'm not sure I know how to do it, <laughs> but maybe uh, somebody will volunteer for you. Yeah, maybe that would be helpful to help us to know how to do that. I I'm kind of always been curious too about this whole idea of this. What's what's this called? Um, something iHeart I Radio. I know that KSLR oh, that. is an iHeart station, and I'm guessing that means that anybody that has the iHeart uh, app on their a smartphone, if they have the iHeart mm-hmm. app on the smartphone or even on their desktop computer, they would be able to go and hear the Bible live, uh, the reading from the Scriptures each and every day in the whole Bible every year. They'd be able to go there and listen to it. In my mind, in my kind of in my slow little backward mind, I've always thought, well, if people wanted to hear it, they, they can go, I know, and get it on iHeart Radio. Is that yeah. true? Do you know enough about uh, the way that computer those computer systems work to know people could do that right well you're right but and a, a podcast offers another advantage in terms of people finding you because with the iheart radio app they would just be able to find the station but if they were looking for like 
a podcast on a podcast manager, uh, such as Beyond Pod or some other app, they could look for particular kinds of shows. I and that see. way they, they zero in on, on the Bible Live. Well, I, I might have to treat you to lunch one of these times and let you educate me a bit. Maybe I'm sure it's not rocket <laughs> science, and I'm not I, I I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I'm not totally dull. If I knew how to do it, maybe I would be able to take the steps and get that so done. You're saying I... it's not rocket surgery. <laughs> it's not rocket surgery, you're right? <laughs> well, I, I'll, well, wait, well, I'll certainly give it some thoughts. I really will. What do you let, got on mind? Go, let's go back to this Hezekiah business. Okay, back let, to Hezekiah. Let, let's share. Okay, hey, you're, you're right. Uh, you said that it's uh, in chapter 30, verse 3, uh-huh. that the priests were not purified. Now, do you know what in the Bible made the priest? Uh, and it's okay, you've already you already winner, Austin. But do you know right. what makes a priest unpurified? See, that's well, I, that's what this question guess, is really I, talking about. I would guess anything that makes them unclean, like touching uh-huh. a dead body. Aha! Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, not just anything, but exactly that t- touching and dealing with a dead body there was a whole bunch of dead people laying around and the priests are doing a very very good thing they're taking care of the dead and you cannot be purified and do the priestly duty and you can't pr- participate in the passover now where does this first come up and where do we learn our lesson on how it gets corrected it comes from the book of numbers verses 9 through 11 and in Hebrew, this is called, uh, well, I'll just say in English, it's Passover, Shani, uh, Shani, and it's the second Passover. Well, what happened is, and it's the very first time in Bible history where some people came to Moses and God said, hey, we're doing some good things here. We've been taking care of some dead folks, burying their bodies. It's a mitzvah. It's a good deed. God wants us to do it, and because of doing something good, we can't participate in Passover as we're also commanded by God to do. So what do we do, Moses? And God creates right then what's called uh, the second Passover. And it's uh, Passover, uh, Shani, and it's which means second Passover. And that otherwise we would have a real dilemma by guys who were taking care of dead people doing a good thing. And for doing a good thing, they're penalized by not keeping another God's laws of keeping Passover. So it was set up that way. So we know that from this story that we're referencing in the Hezekiah story, that they were what makes them unpurified is taking care of dead. And, and as we're going on, there's a whole bunch of dead folks laying around, and these guys are doing a good deed. So Hezekiah didn't create a new law. He just didn't arbitrarily say, okay, we're going to go ahead and have Passover on a different day. Big deal. That's not correct. He's keeping in conformity with God's laws. There was a precedent set. Well, it's more, than, more than a precedent. Long before, it, right? It's more than a precedent. It's okay. God's law. But... But there was another instance of this, uh, Yes, right? it, it occurs. Way back, back in the time of... Um, the Numbers. Okay. And Moses. And oh, he, yeah, that's right. And he says, and uh, and these people could not participate, and it was a requirement that you re- participate in Passover back in Numbers. Uh-huh. But they were had dead folks, and they were taking care of them. They were burying whatever they were doing. And since they were impure, they couldn't participate in Passover. So... It, why would God penalize somebody for doing good and then they couldn't fulfill his laws? Well, that was resolved back at the second Passover. Okay. And that, so what's going on here is we're being told 
Now, what makes the priest unpurified is what you said, a dead body. So he, Hezekiah isn't not creating a new law. He wouldn't have the authority to do that. He'd be sacrilegious. He'd be creating his own religion, which people like to do. And he was following God's laws that there is a second Passover. So the people that were impure, in this case the priests, they were doing good because they couldn't be around a dead body and participate in Passover. So God was actually giving them, as created in the book of Numbers, an opportunity where they did get to participate in Passover, but they didn't get penalized and not be able to because they were doing a good thing. Does that make any sense? What do you think, Austin? You got any kind of response or thought about it? Well, I was just looking at the verses overhead, and I I was finding it surprising that that they could still do all these other sacrifices while they were unpurified or unconsecrated. Okay, you're looking there at chapter Second Chronicles chapter thirty, chapters twenty nine, the, the last okay. verses of of twenty nine, where they're doing a lot of offerings. Oh, that's right. They are preparing all those offerings and so on. Um, I, I'm not sure if this met 100% of the priests, but there might have been a significant ah, number of the yeah, priests. Yeah, it says in verse 34, but the priests were too few so that they were unable to skin all the burnt offerings. Okay. There were not enough of them that were that were purified and available because I would assume what, what Hezekiah was doing here, he was at, recently, just shortly before this, the kingdoms of the of the north, the ten tribes of the north, had been defeated, and they they had been actually exiled. The, the Assyrians had taken them up north to Nineveh, and they had been scattered throughout the um, throughout the the world of the civilized world of that time. So the ten northern tribes had been decimated, and so here Hezekiah is trying, in the context of this confusion and madness and so on, he issues the invitation. Uh, and sends runners and so on up to the northern tribes even to invite them to come down. So this was going to be in some ways an exceptional Passover of, of, of trying to have there in Jerusalem special invitations going out. So I assume that the demands for the priests purified and on duty and ready to, to exercise their function would have been maybe slightly higher than normal because they were trying to make a big effort and so maybe that was the problem is that they were too few. It's not that none were ready, but there were too few. And so they set it back a, a month so that giving time for more of the priests to, uh, and maybe even some of the priests were coming, there, could be, out of the uh, tribes of the north. I'm not sure. There is this conflicting part of the of the verse 34 where it says, for the Levites were more conscientious to consecrate themselves than the priests. Isn't that something? Yes. I don't know if that's contradictory or not. What do you think about that, Jacob? Well, you know, a priest is... There is a difference between priests and Levites, right? So Yes, that's what mm-hmm. I think. Uh-huh. You asked me what I think, <laughs> okay. and then you told me what I think, and so that's what I think. <laughs> the priest is a member of the tribe of Levite. In fact, you meet some Jews with the last name Cohen. Cohen is the Hebrew word for a priest. And so what's happening is, yes, the the all Levites have their jobs. The tribe of Levites do the temple service. But the priests are the Cohens or the actual people that's doing certain things that only the priests can do. And and if you look over in chapter 30, verse uh, 2, it says, The king, his nobles, and the entire congregation of Jerusalem took counsel and decided to observe Passover in the second month. Well, 
What did they take counsel? Did they just say, we I think we do this, this is a way of resolving? No, they, they looked at the Torah, and the Torah set up a system to make provisions for people who are unpurified to participate. But you just can't make a decision that, you know, I, I'm not going to do it right now. I'm going to do it next month. What we call willy-nilly, right? Yes, just that's right. You've got, you got to be able, it's got to be a legitimate biblical reason, and dead bodies is certainly one. Oh, or right. if you couldn't make it because you were en route or something like that. So nobody in Israel and anybody else, the what they say, the sojourner or the person that travels with them, any, a non-Jew, uh, anybody was welcome to join Passover, and they were welcome to join the second Passover if they failed to make the original for biblically qualified conditions. Very good. Any other comment, Austin, or any other thought you might have had? Maybe another uh I don't know, even on another Way topic, back, possibly. last time I called, I had wanted to share a couple of alternative terms for things that bothered Jacob. Well, uh, we could it. refer to the to the Old Testament as the pre-gospel portion of the Bible and the New Testament as the post-Malachi portion of the Bible. That could be. And instead of foreshadowing, we could say that something was uh, pointing towards or uh, prophetic. Uh-huh. I like it. So... I've tried. Right. I, I've cool. kind of taken one of you said to heart in, in in my classes that I'm teaching there at Lackland and other places. I'm I'm trying to more and more co- com- communicate the idea that these aren't one is old and bad and one is new and good, but that they flow. One flows from the other. They are part and parcel. They're they are part and parcel of each other. They complete each other. The old and the new, and, and that they're all part of the continuing record of God's redemptive plan for humanity. I, I I find that thought so exciting that I just don't want us to miss it, whether we call ourselves Jews or Christians or, you know, religiously, the the people of God. I think we need to, those of us who follow after the true and living God, the God of the scriptures, that we ought to see that one flows into the other. That They are not, in fact, totally, you know, Jesus didn't, the Messiah didn't come to start a new religion he didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it and to uh, fulfill it on our behalf, as it was predicted that he would. I, I, I'm trying my hardest to do that, and I appreciate the effort you made. That's good. I'm looking for that kind of language myself that helps us to convey that. I, I think a lot of uh, American believers in particular, we, us Gentile believers, we need to, we, we need to remember that the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just standalone. It, it didn't come out of nothing. It came and flowed out of the revelation that went before it, and I like that. What did you say? The pre, pre gospels portion of the Bible, the pre gospel, uh, pre messianic portion, or the or and the post post Malachi. Post Malachi. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Well, uh, I guess well, John the Baptist was the last you know, of the Old Testament. That's very prophet. considerate of Austin to give that time and effort and thought to that. That's very nice of him. It is. I I appreciate it myself as well. I. I Keep hanging there. If you come up with another idea, give us a call and let us hear about it. Okay, Austin? In fact, you know what Benjamin Franklin said? He said, if we don't hang together, we'll hang separately. (laughs) That's right. So let's hang separate. Let's hang together at least. Hey, Austin, can you give uh, information here to uh, John and let us send you a packet of uh, prizes and gift certificates? Yes, sir. Okay. Don't hang up on us now. I'm going to put you on hold and let you talk to John, and uh, let's send... Austin, some of our gifts and prizes. You Hopefully, know, there'll be a little bit of a blessing. Just, I hope uh, we can get some Splashdown tickets in there for you this week. Uh, uh, I'll be working that would on be that. Nice. 
Hey, listen, why don't we just talk about a question? Okay. Uh, you're number one because I kind of promised at the beginning of the show that you're number one was going to tie into what your opening statement Oh, yes. Was. King Jehoshaphat appointed judges and told – now, judges uh, to judge the people, to judge the the differences that came up with what he called civil, civil uh, cases and I suppose even uh, criminal cases. King Jehoshaphat appointed judges, and he told them that they should not seek to please the people in their decisions – but they were to seek to please God in, uh-huh. in chapter 19, verse 6. And you wanted to use that as uh, well, there's something there that yeah, you want to mention. Well, let's, let's read the verse. Okay. Okay. Uh, it says, uh, well, in the version I'm looking at, he abjured the judges. Reflect on what you're doing, for you judge not on behalf of man, but on God's behalf. He is with you when you pass judgment. If you pass, of course, judgment godly. Well, you see, this is one of the things, and you know, people really want to criticize Christians many times. Will go say they'll misquote or quote uh, Matthew chapter seven. It says, "Judge not, lest you be judged." Right. Well, that is not what that's saying, because verse two of Matthew seven says, "By what measure you measure, you shall be judged." So, if you create up your law, the next guy will create his. And what the reason this is important. This is establishing what actually Matthew 7 says. It says, you do judge. God absolutely required judgment. But he required judgment using only God's laws. So, in Matthew 7, this is saying the same thing. You do judge, but you can't make up your own laws. The judges of Israel must use God's laws. And that's why verse 2 of Matthew 7 says, By what measure you measure, you'll be judged. In other words, you use God's laws, we'll all do it. You create your own, the next guy, he'll create his own. And that's why he says, If your son asks for a, a, a fish, would you give him a serpent? The serpent is your own man-made laws. The fish was representative of life, and that was God's laws. And so what you're reading here when it says, when you judge, you use God's laws. That's what Jesus is explaining in Matthew chapter 7. By all means, you do judge. When it says, judge not lest you be judged, it's not talking about not judging. It's talking about not making up your own rules. Excellent. Yeah, and I remember us talking about that in the context. uh, Even another way of explaining it might be a reference to our own constitution how that once we started moving away from judges uh, making their decisions and their judgments based on the Constitution of the United States, that's what the Supreme Court justices and other judges all the way down the system, they're supposed to be making their judges based on those principles uh, that come out of our Constitution, which, of course, was a very very Bible-based, very biblical document, many of the principles came out of Scripture, in fact, for our, our Constitution and, and uh, our, even our judicial system. So, But the more people get away from the Constitution, when our politicians start moving away, whether the Democrat or Republican, it, 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 let's say the Democrats move away and, and present uh, extra constitutional laws that, that don't agree with the Constitution, and they get away with it, well, the next thing you know, the, the Republicans want to come along and they want to create their own laws, extra constitutional laws. And, and you just keep moving further and further away 
from that. And we've seen that process happening in our own country to where now, to a great degree, the Constitution could have such a very positive, healthy effect on our it sustained our, our our society for 200 years, but now we've moved so far away from it. And it's been a process of both parties moving away, moving away, making their own laws. And I, I, to me, that was a kind of an example of what you're saying could happen uh, with the people of Israel here. If if you make your own, if these judges make their own law, decisions about uh, uh, their judgments based on their own ideas, their own thoughts, their own opinions, their own uh, preferences instead of on the laws of God, then the next guy up is going to make decisions based on his preferences well, see, and his what ideas. What you really got is you've and got just move away from the laws of God. In chapter 7 of Matthew, absolutely teaching the modern-day Christians to obey God's law. Exactly. It's not saying you don't judge. And I, and I know we're getting short on time. I wanted to cut, turn real quickly to something that's fascinating. Uh-huh. And your question number seven, uh, which prophet... Uh, which prophet told uh, Jehoram that he would die of a severe intestinal disease? And well, I know you found that question in, uh, interesting, and I, I I was wondering why, so I'm because, glad to hear you get to that. Because we, your answer is Elijah, which is correct. But he, it, the answer came, if you look in twenty Second Chronicles 20, 21 verse... 21, uh, it says, a letter arrived from Elijah. Right? Yes. Isn't that what you says? Then Elijah the prophet wrote Jehoram this letter. Okay, now, here's the issue. Elijah's been gone for years. That's the remarkable thing that you're supposed to be catching. Are you mean gone by just out of town, or do you mean gone, well, gone, mean, gone? I mean, like, gone, gone. He's up in heaven or wherever he went. Oh, yeah, with the, uh, with the uh, chariot, the, the chariot of fire, right? Well, you're kidding. You so so Elijah the prophet Elijah writes Jehoram this, this letter. Point, at this point, Elijah had been gone from the earth for over seven years. I'll be now. This is why these things are very interesting. See if you're familiar with it. When you're reading this, you're saying, "Wait a minute, Elijah's gone. How did he let? Did he die? No, he did not die. Remember? Yeah, that's true. He, we went up in heaven, right? So he's not dead. He just went up, right?" We agree? Wow. Yes. Okay. Well, this is over seven years later, a letter arrives. Well, what does that mean? Does he write the letter before It he means left? the postal service in Israel of that era was very, very poor, very bad. Well, well, but they did deliver. Well, here's the, yes. And here's the point. Um, they, uh, the airlines can fi- have trouble. They can find a city way across the nation, but they cannot find my luggage. No. They, <laughs> did he put the wrong zip code, maybe? Okay, yeah. but see, here's our dilemma. He either wrote the letter before he went to up to heaven, shall we say, or the letter was written by him after he got down sent back down here. But you're being you're being told that he wrote a letter. They want you to know that a letter came from Elijah, and uh, that's true. There's and it's seven years after he's been up in heaven or whatever. Now in the Jews, okay. And I don't want to. I know I got a few minutes. Let's go to Robert because we okay. Not a lot of time left, Robert, but we want to get your comment here on the air tonight on the Bible Live. Quiz show. Thanks for calling. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I, I, y'all were just talking, and I, I was watching the basketball, and I just got here for the half hour, the last half hour. And Good. Glad to have you. Y'all were started t- talking about uh, do, doing things our own way or we're judging our own way instead of according to uh, Torah. And uh, I, I was at a small group 
this weekend, and uh, the the uh, there was a conference in uh, I think it was in Shiloh and different places of, of Israel that, that the the these uh, they call themselves the Bene Yosef and and that the sons of Joseph and they want to rejoin Israel, but the the, the problem if, if, even if we feel that we're uh, Ephraim or or the northern tribes and that we've been scattered but we want to return. Uh, the problem is we can't do it like Yeroboam did. He he was the king, and he car- and his his kind of methodology of making his own rules characterized all the northern kingdom from the time that uh, they left uh, the house of David. So right. I, I I sort of feel like uh, we, we we could try to be Yosef. We can try and be uh, Ephraim. But we have to be different. We have to forsake the ways of Jeroboam and come back to the house of David, and and in so doing, uh, come back through Mashiach, of course. But uh, the thing is, Israel really does. A lot of people want to make Aliyah, but they're Messianic believers, and uh, Israel really won't let them come back. But I think we're trying to establish that no, we want to keep Torah. Exactly. Exactly, and I want to clarify what Robert's talking about. Of course, is Jeroboam. Uh, he was that first king of the northern tribes, and he took the people of Israel, those ten northern tribes, way off base. They started off, right, headed out the left and, field, and, and they kind of never returned. Since we're out of time, uh, Robert, if you like to call next week, perhaps we have more time to address all that issue about Israel. Yeah. The Bible Live is dedicated to Thanks, Robert, for calling. See you next week, folks. And is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 